This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome, everybody. We throw open the locker room here on a Friday before a Ravenite game, a clash coming up on Sunday. I'm excited. I got, I, I got the heebie-jeebies because, you know, you start thinking about walking that zone as an old ball player. The thing about it was you got that this this zone right before kickoff, about 48 hours out. Now, I know it's not quite 48 hours because of the fact that it's a 4 o'clock game or 425, what have you, but you start to get that feeling of, like, here it comes. And it's like, uh, uh, you know, as Mike Tomlin used to talk about, it's two trains, one track. Um, that sort of thing, that clash coming up in your mind as a player, and it just grows in you. You know, I wish everybody could experience what that walk up to game time is all about, the adrenaline, the intensity that you, you bring to bear. You know, it's so much fun because on game day, when you open your eyes, it doesn't just open, man. I mean, it's like your eyelids slam open like uh, if you release the – you know, a shutter on a, on a window and it goes and wop, 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 you know, just it's just awesome because the adrenaline rush is so great. And so for the Steelers coming up, I got to believe right now today it's the it's the final dress rehearsal before you hit, uh, you know, you get to the real hitting on Sunday. And there's a lot of things at stake here. There is, of course, as you know, uh, the fact that they have been reeling here over the last three games. And uh, the funny thing about it is when you start to talk about, you know, your harshest critic, who is your harshest critic? You know, you think about that. Who, who is the person that, that, that speaks truth into your life or, or uh, maybe sometimes is speaking some truth that you don't want to hear? You know, I, I, <laughs> I remember back in the day now as a, as a young buck before I got married, my mom, Hoopy, Hoopy would say after me after game, why didn't you give him more of this? She's giving me a flipper in my own kitchen. My mom is sitting there giving me a flipper. Just give a black whack, you know? She's, and I said, well, I said, Mom, you got to understand, there's more punching associated with that. You're punching with the old palm. She goes, well, whatever it is, you better get with it. <laughs> so who is it that speaks truth in your life? Well, if you're, if you're Keith Butler, apparently his wife, Janet, um, <laughs> speaks a little truth into his life. And he is, it seems that uh, maybe Janet Butler, uh, who is his wife of 41 years, is his harshest critic. And I'm a fan of Keith Butler. I know that we've got issues. I know they've got problems. I know that they're, um, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, not p- performing as, as what, what to the level of years past have. Again, I go back to it's more about the, uh, Jimmy's and Joe's and the X's and O's at this point in time, but Keith Butler, I've always known him to be a, a great defensive mind and a guy who's done so much, uh, both as a player and as a coach. And uh, I got no qualms about it. You're doing what you can with what you got, and so you got to keep on fighting. That's the way it is. That's the way it's always been. But certainly for Butts, you know, he says, <laughs> Butts says I I call her coach when I get home. <laughs> She tells me what I did wrong. <laughs> now, for anyone who's not been schooled by their mom or by their wife after coming home from a hard game and uh, getting receiving instruction, can be a little bit harsh, a little bit tough to take. You know, my mom, I remember my mom and dad coming to the game, and after a game, um, I might still be hyped up a little too much, and I would drive uh, a little too intensely 
from my parents going home from the game to our to our to my place. And I remember my dad going, "Why don't you let me drive? You just sit in the back, you relax. I'll take care of the driving. Don't be yelling at people in traffic. You know, you just finished the ball game. Just come out here, get calm, relax, and let me do the driving." So can you imagine Butsy coming home and having to face um, his dear wife and saying, hey, maybe you do this, maybe you do that. Oh, that would be tough. But I'll tell you, another guy that's got a, a little bit of a homecoming coming up here besides Butsy going home to visit his dear wife, it would be Alejandro Villanueva. Alejandro, of course, as, uh, you know, was, was here in, what, 2015, I think it was, um, and uh, – and he was, oh, I'm trying to think, he was like 6'9", about 285, and he finally built himself up to about 340, and they put him at offensive tackle. Of course, uh, Big Al played uh, left tackle for the Steelers after Kelvin Beecham got hurt. And, uh, you know, the thing about it was uh, that guy came in, and he had uh, just about, I think it was around 100 straight starts or something like that. But you got Al Villanueva coming to town, and um, I, I, I know that, this has got to be kind of one of those bittersweet moments for Al. You know, I mean, he talked about it and looked at it and said, you know, I, I lived the longest I've lived anywhere in Pittsburgh. You know, I went to school there. You know, I mean, this guy is an accomplished man. I mean, a man who served his country, uh, bronze star in combat, uh, somebody who I, I have the utmost respect for. He went to West Point. As my son Kyle Jacob was at West Point, they crossed paths, and as as Kyle said, everybody knew who Al was. All six foot nine and one eighty five or one ninety of them. I mean, think about that. That's that's not a lot of pounds per square inch. As as he's a man mountain dean now, but back then he certainly wasn't. And you think about his road from uh, you know Afghanistan from West Point to Afghanistan to. Uh, I, I even I don't know if he went to Iraq too, but uh, he certainly had had several missions that he was on, and then to land in the NFL and come to Pittsburgh, and what a great, um, what an excellent player he was for so many years. He's 33 years old in the seventh season, and uh, he's just one of those guys that when you have that perspective of being a a former Army Ranger, um, I got to believe that changes everything in your life because really. When you talk about pressure, when you talk about um, the intensity of the moment, uh, I don't believe that there's anybody in the National Football League that can put more pressure and intensity on a man who has seen combat. I mean, that's that by and large, over and above anything else, is something that separates our wonderful armed forces, men and women, who do so sacrificially, who put their lives out there for us and do such a great job. And so when you see somebody like Al, how, <laughs> as a Steelers fan, how do you root against him? I don't even know. I can't even begin to think about it because I have such appreciation for what he's done and, 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 and what he does, uh, you know, has done in the aftermath of, of uh, serving our country in the armed forces. So uh, when Al comes, <laughs> it's going to be interesting because he, he made the crack that if Marquise Pouncey was still the center for the Pittsburgh Steelers, that somehow they would get into some sort of confrontation and throw 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 hands at each other. I'm like, wait a minute, where are you going to meet? You know, <laughs> you'd have to meet out in the middle of the field at halftime or something, for crying out loud. But certainly, you know, for Al coming in, this is an offensive line. As I look at the Ravens, 
This is an offensive line that uh, is in need of some help. Um, you know, you take a look at this. You got Lamar Jackson, who has gone from uh, a quarterback rating of something like 113 in 2019 down into the 90s last year, and now he's in the upper 80s. Uh, it makes you wonder what's going on. Well, you see that he's been sacked 30 times. I mean, this is a mobile quarterback. This is a quarterback that, you know, if you watch the Cleveland game just the other day, by golly, I mean, he made Miles Garrett look like, you know, he was standing still. He dodged several Browns and still came out and threw a touchdown pass to Mark Andrews. You know, he threw another one down the middle that Mark Andrews caught like a Willie Mays in a basket catch, you know, at the polo grounds. So I sit here and I go, Gadzooks, what's going on in, in Baltimore? They're having their issues. They're not rushing the ball at the same level that they were a year ago now. Of course, so markedly so. I mean, it's it's still substantially better than what the Steelers are doing right now. But certainly, uh, when you take a look at what's been going on in Baltimore, they have their issues. And so much of it, I, I would have to think, starts with the offensive line. I mean, with Al at left tackle, Al's, Al's not quite the player that he once was. Um, again, I have so much respect for him. I know that he'll battle. I know that he'll be out there and, uh, you know, be getting after it. But, again, he's not the same player. Um, that's just a fact. That's why the Steelers didn't re-sign him. But, uh, you know, God bless him. Uh, ben Powers at the left guard. I take a look at Ben Powers, and, um, you know, he's 6'4", 310, big boy, um, moderate m- mobility. He's not one of those guys that you're going to see. He was not like a Dave DeCastro, not near as mobile, a powerful guy inside of a, a, a phone booth or a closet, but certainly not one who out in the open field is going to do a whole lot of damage. He's not a pass, bad pass protector, um, but he's certainly he's a guy that uh, has limited range as far as his movement. I look at Bradley Bozeman, who they moved over from guard to center. And Bradley's a big boy. He's about 6'5", three and a quarter. That's a lot of beef at the center position. Um, he's not going to do a whole lot of pulling and lead the band at halftime. Um, this guy here, he's uh, pretty much a meat eater, uh, carnivore, and he's um, he's he's good for about five steps. <laughs> he's uh, quick, uh, but he's he's not going to get too far down the field. Uh, Kevin Zeitler's an old pro. Uh, we knew Kevin from his days in Cincinnati, and I believe it was in Cleveland too. And uh, he was he's a he was a, uh, a consequential player. He was a good player, um, not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, he was at a, at a notch somewhere around below Pro Bowl, somewhere in there, uh, but certainly a player of respect that you could have. And Pat McCarry is another guy at the right tackle position who's a little bit lighter, a little bit more mobile, uses his hands well, and he's a guy that uh, you put these five guys together and you've got a, a group of guys that are able to go after it and, and get after it and do a good job. Um, not to the level that they've done in the past. I think last year, if I recall, they were averaging around five and a half yards a rush. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was over five, whatever it was. And now they've dropped a little down to 4.8, but it's still substantial. And so the Steelers, what are you going to do? I don't know. Butsy's going to have to talk to his dear beloved wife, Janet, and find out. You know, do you go a five two? <laughs> you put you stack the box. What are you gonna do with with uh, Lamar Jackson? Are you gonna be able to um handle the RPOs and the and the option reads? 
You know, one of the things that you notice with Cleveland right away is the fact that uh, those RPO reads are the any any options. They really crashed the mesh point. You know, as Tom Bradley was talking about yesterday, you know, that's going to be a decision that Keith Butler's got to have. And are you going to slow play it? Are you going to feather the technique? Or are you going to have them crash? And it looked to me as I was watching the Cleveland film that they were crashing the mesh point, those, those points in time where he's either faking the handoff, giving the handoff, what have you. But creating a – got to rush the decision. Um, you cannot let him – Dictate the, the the rhythm and timing of it all the all the all the while. You've got to be able to disrupt his timing, and so I, I think that the, there's going to be an obvious blend of crashing that mesh point, forcing the issue, making him have to uh, immediately make a decision with that ball. And every time that you get a shot at him, you got to put a whack on him. This guy is just so good. Lamar Jackson is such a um, outstanding player especially with his feet. He leads the, the team when rushing, 707 yards. I mean, man, oh, man, that's like unbelievable. You take a look at it, though, but his, his interceptions have risen. He's got 12 interceptions. He's got uh, 15 TDs. His passer rating, as I said, is 87.5. Um, and, again, you know, his rushing average is good. Uh, obviously, it's going to be good at 5.7. But he is the rushing game for them in, in essence – Obviously, you've got some issues. Gus Edwards was gone, and I forgot the other guy, but they brought in, they've got Devontae Freedom and uh, Devontae Freeman. <laughs> I say Freedom. Hey, Tom. <laughs> Am I starting to get a little bit. Uh... Devontae Freeman. Well, yeah, you got okay, it. You're, I got close it. Enough. All right, thank you. Close and that's enough. one of our ninjas. That's Ninja <laughs> Tom, who's sitting in for, we're having issues with uh, Max. So we'll be bringing Max along here pretty quick. Some there's something going on in Las Vegas. I wonder what that could be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know what stays in Vegas stays in Vegas, exactly, right? Exactly, right. It's yeah. the motto. Not not what happens, but what stays stays. Because <laughs> seems uh, there's no guarantees that it's going to stay if if it happens. But certainly, I look at this and and thank you, uh, Tomo, for uh, jumping in here. But I look at this offense and th- this guy, the guy that really besides Lamar Jackson, but the guy that really stands out is Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is unbelievable. I mean, that guy there, he is, my goodness. He's I the mean, number one target. Oh, I mean, yeah. him and Hollywood Brown kind of have the same stats, same exact receptions, similar targets. Hollywood's got a couple more yards, one more touchdown. Right. But it's 1A and 1B, and I got to be honest with you, I think if Lamar got a little bit of truth serum, he'd tell you 89 Andrews is his go-to guy. I think you're right on. There's yeah. no question. I mean, you watch him, his ability to get down the field for a big man. You know, oh. he gets down the field, lickety split. He gets down the field, and let's see, he's what? I got him at 260. He's 6'5", 260. You watch boy. him run some of those seam routes or one of those post routes. He got down the field and then made that basket catch. That was just outstanding. That's the other thing. It's not just the size. He's very graceful and athletic, and he's got great hands. He's, he's right up there in the class of the Kelseys and the Kittles and the, the elite tight ends, but for whatever reason, he just kind of seems to get forgotten. He just goes about his thing quietly there in Baltimore, but he will crush you and beat your team if you let him. So that's a guy you got to really worry about all week in practice if you're the Steelers. I would, You know, I absolutely agree. I mean, you know, you look at this and you think, okay, you want to stop the running game. You want to be able to 
Um, you know, take Devontae Free- Freeman out, you know, Lat- Latavius Murray, these guys, and, and, and Lamar Jackson. But <laughs> when you do that, you got a heck of a matchup problem when you go and, and look at what Mark Andrews is capable of doing. And they will go with multiple tight end sets and, and do that sort of stuff, as everybody's doing it, you know. But um, this is still a, a capable enough offensive line. It's not like they're, 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 they're killing the team, but certainly, you know, this is – I don't know. This is a team that it's, it can create a lot of problems, and we shall see. All right. We're going to take a break. I think we got Bruce Gredkowski coming up. Oh, beautiful. I think, I hope, I'm trying to remember last week he wasn't on, I don't believe. We'll try him this week. Hopefully he'll be here. I guess we'll find out after the break, right? Yeah, we'll find out <laughs> after the break. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more as we are searching for Max. Max, where are you? We'll be back with more in the locker room. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome, everybody. And uh, we were efforting, Bruce, but I got a feeling he wasn't scheduled for today. I think he was, um, I think he was ensconced on some sort of break. So, a little miscommunication. A little, little miscum- a little miscommunication. There's no doubt about it, Tom. Of course, that's Ninja Tom on with me today. Right now, we're efforting. <laughs> We've got some technical difficulties going on with Max, and he is. I think uh, we got some Vegas difficulties going could on be. with Max. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know you know. I don't know if they're too technical there, Wolf. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> let's let's go with the technical, and then we'll after we get them, we'll figure out later on. <laughs> but then again. Well, just leave it go at that. <laughs> Let's just leave it go Probably at that. Probably best. Yes, indeed. All right, the COVID list is growing for the Steelers, unfortunately. Robert Spillane uh, also having a sprained knee. Um, T.J. Watt, Joe Haig, all three guys now are on the COVID list. Oof. And you think about it. Hey, Tom, I mean, Ben, Minka, and Ray Ray, they got hit with COVID, but that was basically no. we had no players get hit in the first half of the season. Very I mean, lucky, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, kept dodging all those COVID grenades and so forth. You know, nobody, uh, you know, didn't didn't seem anything was was happening. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 getting caught with stuff. And when so, you you get hit with the COVID stuff, it it stings a little bit more than the injury stuff. You know what I mean? Because this this really comes out of nowhere from the sky above. It just falls on your head. You know what I mean? Like at oh, least with an injury, you can see, hey, that guy got dinged up in practice, or hey, that guy took a lick on that play. He's probably not going to be back this week. But with this, we just kind of float into the middle of the week, and then on Saturday night, oh, hey, Mason Rudolph starting a quarterback tomorrow. It's like, well, gee, thanks. <laughs> That's right. a lot of nice warning for us right there. So, man, they were lucky at the beginning of the year, like you said, but they're really starting to get it. There's, there's, there's no something question hitting, about yeah. that. And they're, the, the Spillane one really hurts. because Well, it does. I know his knee was acting up, so I don't know if he was going to be ready for the game regardless, but... You saw him get in there for Devin Bush against the Bengals before that knee injury, so you'd have to wonder if when he gets healthy again, is he going to take on that greater role for Devin Bush? Tomlin said there was going to be changes after the Bengals game. You have to wonder if that's one of them health permitting. There's there's no question about it. Look, I, I feel for Devin. Um, Devin is just, whatever for whatever reason, he's not quite the same player that he was. Now, you know, you're young. You have right. a knee injury, major reconstruction there. Um, it's obviously, I'm sure, going to affect you. But 
You know, Vince Williams uh, tweeted out something in support of him. But really, in essence, it also, if if Vince was trying to bolster him, I'm not so sure that, you know, saying that he's lost his confidence and everything like that and underachieved, that's, you know, I know what Vince is trying to do. Vince is a former, you know, teammate, and he's a guy that, you know, you have a lot of respect for, putting a lot of time in the NFL, was an excellent downhill banger, uh, somebody that you knew was, was uh, you know, capable of bringing the big pop. Um, and when you talk about a lack of confidence now, is that a lack of confidence in the knee, or is it just kind of now you're losing a little bit of confidence because you're not quite the same player that you were? I don't know. You I, know? I wonder if it's a bit of both. You know, I wonder if it started with that lack of confidence with the knee because it, it takes a mental – there's a mental hurdle you have to clear when you have a bad knee injury like that. It's not just the physical rehab and, it, okay, the doctor gives you the go-ahead, it's 100% full strength. That's all good, but then you have to mentally start to trust it and be able to push off of that ACL and make strong cuts like you had. So maybe it started with a little, you know, uh, is this knee really 100%? I'm a little hesitant. And then that kind of snowballed into this poor play that we're seeing, and then that is also piling on top of his lack of confidence or confidence issues. So I don't know if it's an either-or situation. I think it might just be the injury led to more confidence issues just based on the fact that, at the beginning of the year, he didn't trust his play completely, and that just kind of snowballed now. You know, that's interesting because I do remember when I blew up my ACL in 84, 85, somewhere in there. Now, back then, reconstruction was not big. You know, I still I, – I did it in, what, the third week of training camp or something like that, second, third week, and I still played 11 games that year and just cut it out wow. and, you know, came back, rehabbed it, and, you know, but – it was again. They back then they said reconstruction would only, it it would take maybe twenty five percent of the time. In other words, it wasn't done very well like these guys today. So I just simply Ronnie lotted myself. You know, I was like, okay, let's just cut it out. Let's go. That's what you did back then. That was just you know in essence, um, you know how you how you went about business. Um, so anyhow, I know that I was not the same player after because yeah. you know you 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 got it. I had to get it taped every single day. For training camp, twice a day, you know, get the knee all taped. But there was braces, and they were like these dinosaur-type, you know, Jurassic Park-era oh, massive yeah. things that it would – your leg would be like – do you ever feel like one leg pumped up and dead, you know, if you've been over using – it's like if you did step-ups with your left leg only. I haven't worked out in years, but okay. I don't know. I, I can't relate to that. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been in a gym. Step-ups? What are step-ups? <laughs> Think of just going up the stairs with just your left leg stepping up, okay? <laughs> I do know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. and it, it so pumps feel a little heavier than the but other it, one. It, yeah, it was that was very good though. That was you know, <laughs> your comedy is is increased since I've gotten to know uh, you. Your timing is I'm exquisite. The best. <laughs> okay, who who would that? Because <laughs> you need more help than this. <laughs> so anyhow, I look at it, I go um, when when it, when I was wearing that brace, it was like going, I can't stand it, you know, because your leg would be so gassed after I the first it, quarter. Yeah. So I just took the thing off. I said, tape it, you know, because it's, it's, I can't move with cat like stealth and quickness with this thing on, you know? And I, you still, the movement, same movement skills were not the same. I mean, you know, prior to that, I, you know, I, 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 I was fairly strong, you know, and so, uh, you know, you lift and everything like that. But, you know, I could never get my squat up to what it was prior to the knee injury. 
You know what I mean? And that was, right. and, and that's part and parcel of who we were back in the day because it was a, a trapping offense with five short guys in essence, you know? And um, it was all about getting under and up and having the strength and power and being able to overwhelm opponents like that. And, you know, the, the thing about it was when you had that knee injury and you almost come to a point in time where um, you accept where you're at, you know, knowing that I'm not going to regain that sort of mobility. I mean, at 270 to 75, I think I still – I ran a 482, you know, on you know, on the clock and that. I was still capable. But then after that knee injury, it wasn't the same. It was, you know, I didn't have the same sort of burst. Um, now, you start to play better mentally, yeah. you know, because you have those reps. But as Vince said, you're talking about a young guy. You know? Right. That's exactly – going off of your point, that's exactly where my head went is that, okay, so if he realizes in this offseason – because I don't think you're going to be able to step back and fully – examine in the moment and say i've lost a step you know in the middle of a season here. right but he goes into this offseason he reevaluates his 2021 campaign turns the page to 2022 and he says to himself i just might not be able to get that step back that i lost in this injury it's got to be the mental part of the game then that takes a jump start into 2022 he's got to realize hey i don't have the speed to make up for this so maybe my positioning needs to be a little bit better maybe i need to take better angles to people now so I don't See? understand the people that want to just pull the plug on the young no. man and say it's over. No. Because Mm-mm. above all else, Wolf, contract-wise, that makes zero sense. You right. still have him for one more year of control on his rookie deal. You don't have to pick up his fifth-year option in 2023 until after 2022. So, like, it would be malpractice to just get rid of a guy that has Malpractice, you say. It's a million-dollar <laughs> word, right? Yeah. But – I don't get when people are like, oh, he's done. He's a bust. Get rid of him. It's time to move on. That's not a great way to run a franchise, first of all. Right. And second of all, like we were just saying, I think you give him a chance to get into this offseason and try to either get back up to speed with another year of rehab or realize I'm never going to be that same fast guy. I got to mentally become better. You know, you're on an excellent point by you. Um, I totally agree with what you're saying uh he, you know it, it always usually is a year after but I was already like five six years into starting you know in my career when uh I had that so it's like I understood what I had to do and you know that right. it's it, it was the a veteran there yeah, yeah it was, it, there's a different it's and I was never a unicorn <laughs> you know what I mean let's face it one thing there's there was a heck of a difference between his athletic ability and mine no one you traded know? up into the top 10 to pick you <laughs> um no I, I don't <laughs> recall anybody training up the top 10 I think they thought about it <laughs> well you know the one though I I, I and as I always said because Tunch and I were drafted together and I always reminded Tunch that I was the fifth rounder and he was just the sixth. So. Yeah, sixth rounder. Forget those Pro Bowls. Right? Yeah, I mean, forget all the – forget the, the Hall of Honor. Yeah, forget the top 33 of all time. Who cares about that? You know, fifth no. Round pick Moi sixth round here pick. was a fifth rounder, yeah. and Tunch, you, Chalooch, were Amen. just a sixth. <laughs> and as a, he always used to say, yeah, and one of us was a graduate, and one of us <laughs> was just an attendee in college. <laughs> so we <laughs> – we, 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 we go back and oh, we used to do that for years. But anyhow, uh, the point being is you make a, a very uh, astute point there. Um, and here's one of the things that I think uh, for Devin is understanding the game. You know, Rod Woodson talked about how uh, he had, you know, he's got all these great attributes, but he didn't understand the game like he really understood as he sat with Dick LeBeau and some of the coaches in the offseason and really came to understand the defense overall. 
and then really applying himself to understanding and learning it. And that's when he said he became and kind of flipped the switch where he felt he was on a path towards reaching his ultimate um, you know, abilities. And I think the same thing can be said for Devin. You know, and this offseason is going to be key, uh, number one, to structurally strengthen the knee joint and everything else. But two, one of the things that, that I believe is, is right now he's lacking a little bit is being able to uh, recognize and read from the inside position. You know, if you watch him, sometimes I think he loses track of the ball, which, um, you know, you've got to know, uh, defensively speaking, who's got what gaps and everything else and keep your eyes without getting lost in the multitude of shiny things that are pre-snap and post-snap that can dissuade you. And, and Because what you really have to do is learn how those little snapshots uh, create your movement patterns. And I know that I'm sound, sound, starting to sound like, um, you know, a little bit too uh, willy-nilly. Like I'm not Okay, for instance, like a two-trap, okay? Yeah. For me, at the left guard, I'm pulling around Mike Webster and Terry Long was blocking down or Steve Corson with Mike Webster, let's say, on a nose tackle. All right, I could have up to six different jersey numbers up here in that two hole, which is off the, the 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 butt end of the right guard. So you've got to be prepared for whether it's a twist with the outside linebacker and the defensive end in a three four, whether it's a a Mike or a Mo blitz, a fire X. There's you know a safety. Uh, there's a lot of things there. So at, with things happening that quick, you've got to mentally put yourself in what I always call the theater of the mind, and you've got to be able to picture any and all these 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 uh jersey numbers showing up and you've got to be able to pick out like uh, things on the way snapshots for instance mike webster's butt and terry's you know i mean that's literally that's one of the things it's so quick you turn boom the snap and you see that tells you where you are then you then you know what to look for next you know whether it's the defensive end over the right tackle or whether it's a linebacker or something but these little snapshots those are the things that show you where to go as a player like as a, as a pulling guard for me and the same thing for Devin one of the things that that Ray Lewis was so outstanding was he could beat a lineman to the point of interaction you know that triangulation you've got the back you got the offensive lineman and you got the linebacker and they you got to beat them to that point where you uh, set the tone on the offensive lineman, and the offensive lineman doesn't have the advantage of using his bulk and weight. You got to hit him, like Jerry Elsafsky will say, when it, you see this run the stretch, right? Hit him while he's running sideways. You got to go up and hit the big offensive line before he gets turned up on you. That's a matter of reading. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's just part and parcel of what I think would be great for Devin, where he might be hurting right now. Yeah. And- to kind of go on with the off- him taking on offensive lineman theme, I mean, I think that's another criticism that people have probably fairly levied towards him this year is that, you know, his size was a bit of a question mark coming out of college, but his speed and athleticism was going to make up for that. But he's just not able to really get off of the blocks when he does meet those guards in those holes. Or if the guard gets to the second level, he's just not really able to well, shed that guy and but get again, to the tackle. If you can read that guy's you don't movement have pattern. To shed him. Yeah, you you beat him to the yeah, point. Exactly. You know what I mean? For instance, again, you he take a stretch. He certainly still got the speed to do that. He does. Yeah. And there's no doubt in my mind he can he can be This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. 
Welcome, everybody. It's Wolf Starks and Ninja Tom in the locker room here. ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. The number is 412-919-1316. We're going to get to the calls in a little bit. But we do indeed have Max. Marvelous Max is in Vegas. And, Max, I understand that you kind of forgot something. Did you forget something to, to bring along with you? Uh, um. Okay, so I might have forgotten my entire <laughs> suitcase, uh, my carry-on bag in the trunk of my car. Uh, on the way to the airport, well, well, no, I left it in the trunk of my car right. at the airport. Okay. And I didn't realize it until I got on the plane. You know, so. I just love when somebody else pulls a boneheaded move, and I'm not the only one that does stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, it happens to the best of us, Wolf. That's I mean, right. I don't claim to be perfect, but boy, oh boy, I was like, I was like, man, because I was rushing to my gate, you know, to get there in time, because uh, I was, had, you know, doing stuff and distracted, you know, at at the house and. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I got my bag. I'll just throw it in the truck. I usually put it in the back seat, but I had to wear a suit on the plane because I was going to the commissioner's reception before the game. Oh, Um, oh, oh. last night. So I'm like, you know, I'm already outside of my comfort zone, like wearing a suit on a flight. I never do that. Right. I'm like, I always change when I get there, but I wore a suit and, (laughs) and I'm like, okay. And rushing and doing some last minute things uh, for some other work I'm doing. And man, if I don't get out the car, <laughs> run to the tram, get through security, get to my gate because it's already on like group eight to board the airplane, right? And then I sit down. And I'm like, "Whoo! I made it! I made! I mean, it went good." And I was like, "It was really easy to go through security." <laughs> Why? Why? I just put my backpack up top, uh, <laughs> and I'm like. Uh-oh. 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 That, that moment that it, it, it hits you, that's your <laughs> yeah. suitcase, and all your luggage is in your car. All my clothes. What was, all of, all of my stuff. Like? That was not, it was just like, it was just like that sinking boat. Because I look, and I'm like, oh, because I was one of the last people to board the plane, they're done boarding. And then I'm like, my bag's in my trunk. I could miss my flight. Or miss my clothes. <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> decisions, decisions. <laughs> so I was like, "Dang it!" So I took the flight. I got, I got here. I, oh. ma- I made it. I made it to the commissioner's reception, oh. and then I left the reception early because while I was on the plane, I was looking up big and tall clothing sizes <laughs> in Las Vegas. On. Uh, on the air on the airplane Wi-Fi, and so I will be headed to DXL after this show today <laughs> to secure a wardrobe that will get me through today and tomorrow, and then of course through my trip in Pittsburgh. So I will have a brand new wardrobe uh, by the time you see me on Sunday, Wolf. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm just glad everything's. But I just, I can't help but laugh at that moment when you go, gee, I got through, you know, the the, the security. Security, way too easy. (laughs) This feels nice to do things, thinking like I'm on time or something. Right, right. No, no. (laughs) Left out a key key thing. 
<laughs> exactly. So, so you're gonna have a new wardrobe. You know, the last new wardrobe I got was I, I got a, uh, I got uh, you know a uh, black tie affair. You know, um, you know, get up oh. and speak. You know, you gotta, you gotta get the old tuxer. Yeah, the old tux, right? So I got the black tie thing going. I told my wife, I go, you know, I gotta MC some of these things. So I was like. You know, uh, I need a tux. And she's like, you don't need a tux. And I go, well, I'm, I don't want to go rent one. She goes, oh, come on. You don't. You only have it a couple times a year. You don't. And, and, and so finally, I, you know, my belly aching. And I, she says, all right. But here's the deal. Every, you know, whenever appropriate, you got to wear that thing because we got to get our money's worth out of having that tux, okay? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, fine. Well, I didn't know that. Going to get the mail or mowing the lawn was black tie affair type stuff. You know? There you go. Did, oh, did you get the she's tails brutal. Top hat though. What's that? Tails and a top hat though. Did you go tails? No, and top no, hat, no though? tails and okay. top hat. Just okay, okay. okay. Standard, right. standard. I didn't go dumb and dumber. <laughs> well, that, that that would also have been like orange and blue. That would have been gator colors. Would have been nice, but it's okay. It's okay. I'm just saying you're not fully committed to it. You're just partially committed. Uh, no. Now, now, let, let me let me ask you. You went to the commissioner's party. That wasn't Raj Goodell, was it? No, no, no. So I'm doing the. I, I'm doing. I'm calling the Pac-12 championship. Oh, that's game right. Today. All right. So it's. So okay. it was the new Pac-12 commissioner, George Klyakov. Um, okay. Well, yeah. Funny enough, I saw Lincoln Kennedy and Nick Smith. And really, former players Shane Vereen. Oh yeah. Um, Brock Heward. So. Because they all work for Pac-12 Network, and and so I, I saw those guys last night. So it was nice seeing them. And of course, as you know, um, you know Lincoln is a uh, Zach's dad. Yes. So Zach Banner. So yeah. So, yeah, so it, no, it, it was great seeing all of them last night. I saw all the mascots. Now, when what kind of what kind of orzy dorsies did they uh, did they offer there? Because they got to have some kind of eating, ooh. right? Oh my gosh! They so they had this um, this like sesame like chili pork belly Ooh. and past hors d'oeuvres that was amazing Ooh, and yeah. then and then there was um what was uh like an arancini ball which what's is like an the, arancini you know, ball now that's that's like above the, my like, pay grade like, well it's like it's like a little fried risotto ball okay all right yeah so it's like risotto on the inside like soft and okay i got gotcha. you but it's just fried on the outside then, okay. then they they had uh some like some bao buns, but it was a cheeseburger bao bun. Okay, I like, like a little mini cheeseburger around a little. It's like a slider uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, like a slider, but it's it's complete. It's it almost looks like a beef Wellington because Ooh. the little dough thing covers the entire burger, and then the cheeseburgers on the inside of it. Oh, does that sound so, good? Yeah, and then uh, then there was some short rib with like some. Uh, um, like some parsnips and spinach saute. That was that was the actual plated thing that you could get. But it was all like served at stations. So, you know, it was very free flowing, you know, small plates so people could talk and everything. But it was right there in the Champions Club of Allegiant Stadium. Oh. Which, hey, whoo, that stadium looks nice. So how would it, it compare to SoFi? Nice. So think of it this way, like SoFi is a beautiful aesthetic stadium but you know you can't really tell whose stadium it is right because that's a serve for the chargers and the rams mm -hmm. like this stadium you know it's the raiders everything is black and silver okay so it has a very clean look to it because of those colors black and silver are very nondescript colors and they kind of just 
you know, play off of each other really well. So you can do anything with it. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think still SoFi for the aesthetics and that canopy and the grandeur and the humongous screen that's up there, it still has some really cool elements that are like, wow. But as far as like the grandeur of, uh, of the rate, like, you know, it's the Raiders stadium, like for a home right. stadium, it, I would say it's probably one of the coolest home stadiums, but SoFi is still a cooler stadium overall. Cool. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, because I, I think about it, and I, I really like SoFi. I mean, that whole thing, that it was architecturally, yeah. it was just outstanding, you know, and I was exactly. wondering how that would measure up to a legion. But, okay, yeah. I digress. Now, hey, let me hey, – oh, hey, go ahead. They're both billions of dollars, so right. they're both <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong if you happen to be playing in either yeah. one. Oh, it's not like, oh, my gosh, I'm in a legion over that. No, you're still in – one of the most beautiful stadiums that are out here in the NFL. I would I would put both of those above Jerry's World. Oh, like that, that's how that that's how, really? that's how nice they are. Wow, yeah. that now you're, you're talking about some serious stadium uh, beauty there, my friend. I mean, Jerry yeah. World is no matter what you think about Jerry Jones, Jerry World is is still pretty cool. You know, it was so it wild about that place. I remember when the Steelers were down there for the Super Bowl. What it, was it? Oh eight. Um, there it, well, or we, 10? We were at Jerry's world. Yeah. yeah oh, 10. Was that 10? 2010? No. Was that? T- no. Oh yeah. It was 10. It was yeah, 10. it was. Okay. No, 11, 11, 11. Okay. I can't get it straight. Right it that. was followed the 10 anyway, season. Super Bowl 45. Just say yeah. Super Bowl 45. Because I can't remember <laughs> those numbers. Okay. I mean, oh, okay. that's, yeah, that's, but the one thing I'll I read, <laughs> the one thing I remembered about 40 of B means five. <laughs> Oh, shut up. Roman All right, Mr. Mr. Smart Guy. <laughs> All right, so so the one thing I remember about Jerry World was I was told that the entire Statue of Liberty could be laid down and would be encompassed by the size of inside of Jerry World. The Statue of Liberty. I mean, think how big that, that place had to be. You could lay that Statue yeah. of Liberty down, and it would be covered inside. Just amazing. Everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah, I, I would guess. No doubt yeah. about it. Well, the thing that before we go on, uh, let me ask you this too: when you had the uh, the that thing was beef Wellington, did you say, or was it short ribs? Uh, oh, it was it was called a bow bun, but with a cheeseburger in it. Man, does that that just really kind of sounded good? I mean, yeah. that, that's that's got to be outstanding. Did you who who went big time on it? Did you or was it Brock Heward or was it one of the other guys that was there, like you, Lincoln you, Kennedy? You know, yeah, I, you know what? I, I Link and I talked, but I know Link. I know Link can put some food away. So yep. I would like to say that Link did because I only grabbed one. Because remember, one I that's still it. Had to go because I was on a short time frame because I had to get to a store. Oh, that's just true. To get like shoes and some shorts and a t-shirt, and the store closed at nine. The reception started at seven, so I was there till eight, and. I was like, yes, this is great. I got to hear the commissioner, uh, saw the Hall of Honor recipients, and I'm out. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't get to eat as much. Like, I had more of the pork belly because it was like they were, they were past door doors. They were walking around with them. So I okay. had those little things. Did you chase um, any of the girls around? Because I always like, so you got to chase them. You know, like, hey, over here, over here. Come on, bring them, bring them. No, you it, know? it was a dude. So oh, so it was a dude. Did you chase one? the dude around? Yeah. No, because he was like, he was like, dude. You're you're gonna want more of these. He's like, <laughs> I was like, "What?" I like I that guy. It, and, I was, and I later said, "Thank you. You were right." He's like, "Yep." 
<laughs> so yeah. I didn't have to chase him because he already, he gave me the inside scoop before I had the first bite. <laughs> oh, see, that's when you get the good waiters, you know, waitresses that, that tell you, you know, this is really good stuff. You're going to want some of this. You know, and I always tell Warren Head, look, I'm not stalking you, okay? I'm just, I'm really a yeah. hungry fat guy. You know what I mean? That's just what we yeah, do. Exactly. You know, so you're like, yeah. and when, when they tell you this is the really good stuff, don't worry about it. I, I love that. You get that little insider trader, trading info. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it, it was nice. You know, and in fact, I will post on my social media after when we go on break some pictures from, from there because I took a I took a couple snapshots. It, it was really nice. Was Excellent. Really cool. All right. Well, yeah. we're going to go to break now, Max. It's so good to have you aboard. Glad that we got the technicalities all worked out. Mucho thanks to Ninja Tom for sitting in for you, uh, providing me <laughs> with uh, some people to work with there. All right, we'll be back with more here in the locker room, Wolf Starks and the Ninjas.